the most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom, to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report <laughs> with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to some more Slobber Knocker audio right here on the mighty Westwood One. I am good old JR Jim Ross. Thank you very much for being with us on a very busy week. But man, I got to, first of all, I got to stop and say thank you guys. We came out of the gate, the number one. Uh, sports and recreation podcasts on iTunes in North America, number two in the UK, number five in Australia. The ratings have the last two weeks have been phenomenal. Uh, we're very competitive with a lot of big boys and the top rated uh, pro wrestling podcast in existence at this moment. I'd like to keep it that way. And uh, so to do so, I want to encourage you to uh, subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever the hell you get your podcasts and subscribe. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating there. Uh, I say, go to iTunes. I say our Apple podcast, wherever the heck it's called this week and, uh, and sign up. It's a, it's free to subscribe. I can tell you that. So we appreciate it. The success has been great so far. Your support has been amazing. And I, I just can't thank you enough. Uh, Today, we're going to hear an interview I, I recorded a few weeks ago with Conrad Thompson. He's such a cherub of a boy. Connie. Connie is uh, my guest this week on this interview that I think you're going to enjoy. We'll talk more about that momentarily, so stay tuned. Uh, but we're going to, lot to, so much going on, man. So much going on. And I think we're burning daylight. So, without any further ado, here, ladies and gentlemen, I know you want it. I know you need it. You gots to have it. Here's what's on my mind. Well, depending on when you're listening to our program, which drops every Wednesday, uh, I am probably either on my way to Saudi Arabia, I'm in Saudi Arabia, or heck, I might even be on my way back from Saudi Arabia. But in any event, I'm hooking up with Jerry Lawler and Booker T. We hooked up in Houston. We're going to fly to Frankfurt. Frankfurt to Jeddah, uh, then do our pregame show in the halftime, as I've mentioned, and then we'll fly out of there that night out of Jeddah to Paris. Yeah, Paris, and uh, to change gates. And then from Paris to Atlanta for me and, and, and King, and I think Booker, well, I'm not sure, but for me and King for sure, and then uh, from Atlanta back to Oklahoma City, at which time I will be a dish rag, a whipped pup. I might even have the limber tail, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, so anyhow, the Saudi trip is something I'm looking forward to. Uh, the, you know, the, the broadcast assignments are always subject to change right now. Our assignment is to work with Byron Saxon, the three hall of famers on the pregame show and the halftime show. Very happy to have an assignment. I'm uh, proud to be booked on this first event there. And I'll have more to talk about that, uh, on a little matter called pet coon goofy a little bit later in the program. Uh, certainly, uh, am excited about the inside the ropes events that we're going to be doing for uh, my friend, uh, good old Kenny McIntosh. And uh, here's a little update on that. This is from Kenny's uh, own hand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in Glasgow, over half the VIP tickets are already sold, and we're about 70% sold 
Uh, so people should really get their tickets and get a, get a move on in Glasgow. Almost gone. Uh, it's the uh, Inside the Ropes first time in Newcastle. So we're, we know the advance there is doing well. In Birmingham, we're about 65% sold already. Uh, the GA goes on sale direct through the venue, the Glee Club, at 10 a.m. UK time uh, Wednesday morning. So for many of you, it's probably already on sale. Uh, uh, Limerick tickets available at VIP and GA, but they're selling fast, I'm told. We sold out of a general mission in uh, Galway. Uh, just VIP left. Uh, that's in Galway. I'm kind of, I, I mispronounced that last week. My, my buddy Paul O'Brien corrected me. I need correcting. All tickets can be purchased, folks. Here's the key thing. If you're over there in that part of the beautiful world at insidetheropes.co.uk. So it's insidetheropes.co.uk. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, Galway, Galway, I'm looking forward to coming to Galway and I will not mispronounce your name, but I could just out of country ignorance. So, uh, looking forward to all this, uh, Kenny's inside the rope team does a great job. We're going to have some fun. These are intimate venues, VIP and general admission tickets. We're going to have our books there. So if you don't have a book, uh, we're going to have our books, uh, uh, on sale and I'll be there to sign them for you. So uh, keep that in mind as well. And we'll be talking a lot more about our, our trip to uh, the U.K. and Ireland uh, in the future and upcoming weeks here on the program. Another news item to throw at you here real quick is that the we talked a little bit about the J.R. and the King shows that we're planning. Uh, they're being organized as we speak. There are some dates already booked. Uh, we'll have a lot more information on that next week. But uh, keep your ear to the ground regarding the uh, first time ever the stage show, the Q&A that we've all been wanting to do, because I can't wait to hear your questions. Uh, it's the King and I on the road. And so keep track of him on Twitter, at Jerry Lawler, me at JRSBBQ, uh, and we'll keep you updated, certainly on Facebook as well. But mainly right here next week, I'll have a lot of information, cities, dates, and on-sale information, all confirmed right here next week on the program. Uh, moving right along here, thanks to Jerry Bostick and the uh, – uh, IWR the, for their Texas events this weekend. Enjoy being around the fans, old school wrestling. Jerry promotes a really good show. Uh, fans were, were entertained, got their money's worth without a doubt. I heard somebody say, uh, they want their, they want their kid to get in free, their children. And the, and the, and the ticket they had purchased was $5. So here we have a wrestling fan. Nothing's ever good enough for some of them. They want their kids in free because they paid $5 for their ticket. Stop my pain. Uh, got a uh, sent John Cena text this week. Show what kind of guy John Cena is. You know, I recruited John. We signed John back in the day, uh, and I checked him out. You know, as far as his background and talked to his strength and conditioning coach, who's now at the University of Oklahoma, uh, and about John's work ethic and his character and his principles. Captain of the team, first guy in the gym, last guy to leave. All everything you want to hear. He checked every box. But to show you uh, what kind of guy he is, I sent him a text message. A very busy week for him. Uh, you know, he's, he's promoting his movie, which i got to see. Uh, he's, uh, had some, he's had a separation from his uh, uh, fiance, So he's been busy, and he's, uh, and he's got WWE business. He's going to Saudi, Saudi Arabia. So I sent him this text said, you know, hey, happy birthday, uh, kid. 41 years old. God, I got, I got sport coats that old. Anyway, uh, he sent me a text right back. Uh, thanks boomer sooner. See you in Saudi. 
here's the point of this. You say, well, what big a deal is that? Well, it's a big deal to me because he acknowledged my text message. He cared that I reached out to him and, get, and wished him a happy birthday. I didn't want anything. I didn't ask for anything. It was just, hey, I'm thinking about you. Happy birthday. See you in Saudi. And I got to re- reciprocated. That's the kind of follow-up you, you, you need from your guys. And speaking of that, congratulations to Dwayne Johnson, his entire family on the birth of Gia, Gia Johnson, third daughter of The Rock, the great one. And the reason I segue that into the uh, uh, John Cena text is that probably one of the second, third, in the very late night when my wife Jan got uh, taken to the emergency room from her accident, uh, the phone was on, on the phone was Dwayne. Austin was there, Vince, a lot, Hunter, a lot of people called. But I had a cluster that called me right away when they found out that she was uh, in intensive care, probably wasn't going to make it, and OJR was in kind of dire straits. They reached out. So those, when you, Barry Switzer said, and I said this on the show before, my buddy coached at OU and the Dallas Cowboys, I say, he says that when you recruit somebody to JR, you recruit them for life. I believe that, folks. I really believe that. Uh, I have had the occasion to help many of the talents I signed in a lot of ways that will never go mentioned because it would be embarrassing. Uh, some people don't handle their money as well as others. Some people need a little help. That's why I'm a big believer in the Cauliflower Alley Club, which I'll be out in a, in a few weeks in Vegas emceeing their banquet. CAC, uh, CaulifierAlleyClub.org if you want more information. If you're a wrestling fan and you don't have any interest in, in the Cauliflower Alley Club, shame on you. But nonetheless, uh, those guys that reach out are your guys. And that's why I've always been said steadfast about who we recruited and who we signed and who we worked with. They're my guys. And a lot of my guys are going into the Hall of Fame and gals. And I love that. I really do. So uh, my little interview with TMZ got some airtime, apparently, about when I mentioned I thought Ronda Rousey's uh, uh, debut at WrestleMania in the mixed tag match was as the most impressive debut of a pro wrestler that I had ever seen. I still believe that with the platform, the stage, as it was the fact that she had never had a match in front of a live paying audience was nothing short of amazing, really amazing. So, uh, I'm on the Ronda Rousey bandwagon big time. I believe in her and I believe she's going to do great things for WWE. Uh, you know, I, I was, Happy to see that Impact Wrestling's recent pay-per-view got some positive uh, uh, feedback because it's not often that that happens with that company. And that sounds like a, 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 a remark a turd would make, and I'm not really trying to be that, but, you know, they need to hit, get some hits consecutively. It's, it's all about what you do for me. What are you doing for me next? And I am all for Impact Wrestling being successful. I'm all for any company that hires wrestlers and, and people involved in the business a place to work. So uh, I am congratulations to Impact uh, Wrestling. I uh, hope they do uh, continue to do great things. And I see where they're going to have a big pay-per-view up in Toronto, which is no surprise because most of their brain trust and their money is located up there in that neck of the woods north of the border. Uh, Court Bauer, who some may say is the Chadsworth Osborne Jr. of professional wrestling promoters, and executives and somebody saying who the hell who the hell does jr think he is i don't have a clue who chadsworth osborne jr is well kids google it 
in any event, uh, congratulations to Court and his team, MLW. Uh, they're now seen on Friday nights, our TV show, uh, BN Sports, uh, Friday nights, as I mentioned. Tony Schiavone and Rich Pacini are doing the commentary. Uh, good team, good wrestling team, and, and uh, I'm all for those guys being successful and having fun and making a living, man. That's all we all want to do, right? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I also want to, before I forget, what Switzer told me and, and recruiting my guys, for all of us to mentor young people, it's a hell of a big deal. I think sometimes we find ourselves in too big a hurry or selfish or egocentric, insecure, whatever it may be. Break those shackles away and be willing to stand up no matter if you're man, woman, and mentor a young person. Help them out. Schoolwork, athletics, just set somebody to talk to, a good listener, a good role model. We need more role models in our world, and you can be one. What, can't you? Damn right you can. So, uh, again, congratulations to, to, uh, to Court and his team. You know, I heard a rumor that maybe Jack Swagger – and uh, Jeff Cobb, who, by the way, are on these uh, IWR cards this weekend. Uh, boy, those guys are two really talented athletes. I mean, big time, big feeling, uh, physical, intense athletes. They may be showing up sooner than later uh, in, in some shape, form, or fashion, we hear, on, uh, on Court's uh, TV show. If so, if that is true, those are two good gets. And you can bet that the, if they ever wrestle – that those matches will be physical and athletic and really, I think, a very old-school base uh, with a little MMA uh, sprinkled in. I don't think I've ever seen Swagger look any better. He was awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed chatting with uh, Jeff Cobb. I even, uh, he even promised me he's going to drop by because he lives in Vegas on May 1st and 2nd. He's going to join, come by and say hi to all of us at the Cauliflower Alley Club. So, it's, again, that's cauliflowerallyclub.org for those of you that care, and you should care. Because they help wrestlers that need help. They help people in the wrestling business and families that need our help. And I am more than willing to volunteer my time and to help those folks because it helps others. That's the bottom line. And other th one other thing that's on my mind, i got to tell you. The most awe-inspiring moment I saw this week on TV was that here he comes around the bend, full speed ahead where the damnedest slobber knocker of a football tackle I've seen in years, Braun Strowman. And for anybody that's naive enough, caught up in all this talk about Lesnar and Reigns and Saudi and who's going to win and how this is going to hurt this guy and everybody's got everything figured out to the nth degree, never sleep on the fact that Braun Strowman, in my opinion, is the future face of the WWE. And with that, by God, that's what's on my mind. Well, I had a lot of ways to go in the Slavonarch of the Week, and until I saw the Bruno San Martino video uh, that kicked off Monday Night Raw, I watched that video through teary eyes. It was very emotional. And I, there's just no way that I could not name the late Bruno San Martino as our Slavonarch of the Week. The video just, just got me. And the more I think about it, it still uh, makes my eyes water. Bruno passed away on April the 18th at age 82 in Pittsburgh. And uh, the outpouring of respect 
and love and appreciation from around the world for this man who was very, very happy to always be known as a pro wrestler. Bruno San Martino, in the eyes of many, and me included, was the, he was the Babe Ruth of pro wrestling. If he wasn't the Babe Ruth in your connotation, he had to be Luke Gehrig. He was an Iron Man. Nine years as the WWF champion. Nine years as, as the headliner. The man that was carrying the promotion on his back for nine years, ladies and gentlemen. And then he took a break, much needed. And he came back and gave him four more years in that driver's position. You know, we had a Pittsburgh connection. Bruno being from Pittsburgh. Uh, my wife, my late wife, Jan, also from Pittsburgh, grew up in the same neighborhood as Bruno. And when she was a kid, they used to walk by his house thinking they might get a glimpse of him. And then she would say she saw him doing his road work in the neighborhood many, many days. It's almost as if when he was home and he didn't do his road work, you kind of got worried. Where's Bruno? So we had that Pittsburgh connection. I remember going there to Pittsburgh with Jerry McDivitt, the, uh, one of the WWE attorneys, probably the best attorney in America, uh, and a friend. And uh, Jerry and I met with Bruno and his representatives about him coming back to WWE. And I, uh, he and I, Bruno connected and I connected, but he still had his animosities toward uh, the WWE and just wasn't ready to uh, compromise or to uh, give it another shot, whatever way you want to put it. Now, Paul Levesque was able to sell that matter and I my hats off to him long overdue it's like Vince McMahon said how the hell do you have a hall of fame and not have Bruno San Martino in it you got to have Babe Ruth in the hall of fame right I want to also I really appreciate the work that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and the guys that busted open radio and Sirius XM have done uh Dave was had a special bond with Bruno they were friends for many many years uh, decades. And so, uh, day's coverage of Bruno's passing and his career is nothing short of extraordinary. And, uh, then the busted open guys, a show I, I listen to almost every day when I'm near a radio and they're on the air, I'm listening. I, I really like uh, Dave LaGreca and his co-host, you know, bully Ray. Why can't I, why have, do I have a problem calling him bully Ray? Because I guess I call him Bubba Ray for so many years. Another, another team we brought to WWE and proud we did. Uh, they, they were workhorses, studs, no boo-boos. They didn't stay home for no boo-boo. So, uh, but bust open doing a great job. Mark Henry's on that show now too, by the way. Uh, and Tommy Dreamer is a recurring guy and uh, John, the coach has been on there a few times lately. I don't know how, I don't know what the rotation is, but Dave LaGreca is the anchor. And they do a good job. And congratulations, fellas, on covering the, uh, the Bruno situation. Because those – LaGreca is a New York guy. Can you imagine what Bruno San Martino meant to him? It would be like asking me about here in Oklahoma, who's your favorite baseball player? I would say, are you kidding? Number seven. Number seven. Enough said. You know who it is. Mickey Mantle. Uh, to look back at Bruno's career, here's the pressure of headlining the most lucrative territory in the world – is exactly what Bruno did for nine years. It is unheard of. It will never, ever happen again. It will never, ever come close to happening again because, by and large, the durability of an athlete to work on top is questionable. And secondly, I'm not sure the fan base would stand for 
uh, a champion, a setting champion for nine years. Uh, I don't know that we've lost, I think maybe we lost our patience or whatever the hell it may be, but nonetheless, it'll never happen again. In my opinion, you know, Bruno is a John Wayne of wrestling. Uh, he was just a, he had that marvelous old school, uh, uh, character and integrity that you just love being around. And the responsibility that we don't take for granted or we take for granted, I think, is that, can you imagine the pressure it is on a top guy, the top guy to have, to carry the entire company from an in-ring presentation perspective, it's a huge pressure, huge pressure. You got to be consistent. You got to be, you know, got to be the hardest working guy and you got to still stay connected with the audience. And Bruno did all those things. So, uh, uh, he was just a, he's, I'm so pleased that I got to know him. Bill Watts was his big partner in, uh, uh, in Watts's third year in the business. Watts, while Red Berry got Bill Watts booked in New York, as they called it, the territory for Vince McMahon senior. And Bill became a workout partner in the gym with Bruno and Bruno doing this legit five sixty five, uh, 565 pound bench presses. And Watts is not far behind in that, uh, low five range as well. So they got along, they became tag partners. Inevitably when you have these, uh, uh, this, these great tag partnerships as a, in a baby face environment, the hero environment, somebody's bound to get jealous or is bound to get their feathers ruffled and boom, you got to switch. And that's what happened. Watts became the villain. Bruno obviously remained the hero as he should, and they drew a lot of money together, a lot of money together. Uh, so, uh, and that was largely because Bruno endorsed Cowboy as a main event star. Think of this way. Watts was in his third year in the business. And because Bruno picked Watts big body out of the herd and, and connected with him, Cowboy was working main events in Madison square garden, multiple times, his third year in the wrestling business, unheard of, it's unheard of. And that's the kind of heart that Bruno had. He gave a young kid, big athletic kid that he respected. He liked to work out with a break and he did that for a lot of guys. So I, I want to close, uh, talking about Bruno. I, I sent his son, uh, who's in my wrote in my contacts, Daryl, Daryl San Martino. Uh, uh, I said, uh, Daryl, Jim Ross. I want to send my condol heartfelt condolences for the passing of your father. He was simply the best period. My late wife, Jan, I loved being around him. And this is what got me. Uh, the response from Daryl San Martino. Thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate that. My dad thought the world of you. I can't tell you what those words mean to me. I'm getting a little emotional right now. No kidding. My dad thought the world of you. That's from Bruno San Martino's son. I am so happy that we connected there and I hope that, uh, we can stay connected to some way to Bruno's legacy in the future. So, uh, the sovereign of the week to me, it was a pretty easy choice. Uh, Bruno's the guy, God bless him. And I, I was, I'll never erase the text. I love that text. I meant the world of Bruno, my God. What a, what a, what a, what a testimonial because he meant the world to me. God bless you, Bruno. Thank you for being my friend and thank you for everything you did for the wrestling business. And that includes all the fans listening and all the talent making a living. RIP Bruno. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
All righty, uh, back on track here. Uh, time for our interview. I mentioned earlier in the program, Conrad Thompson and I had a chance to uh, catch up and talk uh, several weeks ago uh, before I went on sabbatical, obviously. And uh, good conversation. Uh, you're going to hear about uh, Conrad's relationship with Ric Flair, his chemistry with Bruce Pritchard, his working with Tony Schiavone. Uh, I'm impressed with Conrad's show preparation. Uh, and uh, they do a great job in their podcasts, the podcast with Bruce, the podcast with Tony. I think uh, uh, Connie's, oh, my mom. When you say Connie, I get so hot. Mr. Barnett, calm down. He's a he's soon to be a married man again. Oh, God. I'll buy him a Rolex. He's got Rolexes. Trust me. I saw it on Twitter the other day. Uh, so Conrad a, is an is a interesting character. Uh, he's a smart man. I, I am fully supportive of everything those guys do, and I'm proud to be friends with them. And so here's my conversation of a few weeks ago with Conrad Thompson. Man, this guy is an entrepreneur. I love his marketing spirit. He's a promoter, old school promoter. Hey, if they if they had a movie and they made a movie of Mid Atlantic Wrestling and and Big Jim Crockett was uh, cast in this movie, Conrad is their guy. He's the guy. <laughs> He's a man. Conrad Thompson, uh, thanks for uh, joining me here. So how did uh, he kind of burst on the scene affiliated with Nature Boy, Ric Flair? How did how did that meeting, that relationship come about with you and Nate? Well, it's it's kind of funny. I, um, I wound up sponsoring or helping contribute on uh, GoFundMe for an ECW documentary. And one of the deals was if you're, you know, you're able to donate at this level, one of the old ECW superstars will come to your house and screen the movie with you. And I donated, and Shane Douglas came over and watched the movie with us. And uh, me and all my friends were here, and we kind of got to pick his brain a little bit, and it was awesome. And one of the guys who was there is a guy named Dave Milliken, who made the belts for WWE. And he was really good friends with Mark James, who was working on a book with Jim Cornette. So when they knew Cornette would be through town, I said, hey, man, we should try to recreate that. Here's some old stories with Jim Cornette. Anyway, one thing leads to another, and eventually I'm like one degree separated from Ric Flair, and uh, we hit it off and exchanged numbers. And uh, when CBS kind of passed down an opportunity for him to do a podcast, he knew that I was doing live commercials every morning and morning drive for my mortgage company, and he thought, hey, man, this guy knows about wrestling, and he'll take care of me. If, uh, you know, I'm heading in a direction, I need to sort of get back on the right track. And he asked me to sit in for his very first podcast and just ask fan questions. And CBS was skeptical, but at the end of the episode, they dug it, he dug it, and yeah. I kept coming back. They never told me to stop. It was good uh, chemistry, and that's somebody, I, I saw a piece online the other day, a nice piece, uh, where somebody at Sports Illustrated maybe interviewed uh, Paul Levesque about what do you think made J.R. and the King a, uh, an entity some, to some degree on Raw all those years? And, you know, he's talking about chemistry. And it really starts with the chemistry, which you can't, unfortunately, you can't manufacture chemistry. You can't learn it in the, in the performance center or wrestling in the Indies in Dubai or anywhere else in the world. It either, you're either going to have it to some degree or you just, it just passed you by. But the chemistry thing is, that's, You've had that. You've done that really well with uh, with Rick. I thought those shows were good. And then you know you kind of. I, I talked to Bruce, uh, your partner Bruce Pritchard, on your on one of your podcasts. That 
dang, uh, Bruce just kind of he was he was he he had got off the radar as far as wrestling was concerned, and and, uh, so you kind of reinvented him. And I told him, I said, when I every time I talked to him since uh, he got with you, I think that his he sounds reinvigorated, Conrad, and I and I say that strictly as a compliment to you at being able to maybe put the confidence back in Bruce that he is the entertainer that he wants to be. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I feel the same way about Tony Schiavone. I think both of those guys sort of had wrestling in the rearview mirror, so to speak. And I thought with Bruce, especially, man, this is a podcast, you know, anybody, anybody can go get a podcast these days, but not everybody has the stories that Bruce Pritchard has, and he just has a way with words, and he could do those funny voices. And I thought, <laughs> man, this is what people want. I mean, I'm the target demographic. I'm the wrestling fan who's listening, so let's give them this. And uh, about two weeks later, I finally beat him down enough to just do a sample show, but he had one condition. He wanted me to sort of drill him on the show and pin him down with questions and uh, let's have our banter and back and forth and People are digging it, man, and we're having a good time. And then I was able to talk Tony Schiavone into the same thing, and now I'm doing almost as much podcasting as I am mortgaging. So yeah. it's, a di- it's a different time in my life. Yeah, you're staying busy. You're staying busy. Tell uh, for those that uh, are that may be needing your services, uh, and that could be any of us. I want to borrow some money, buy a house, whatever. How do they how do they get how do they acquire that information? Well, you can go to SaveWithBruce.com. Uh, Bruce and I are working together. <laughs> First family that. more. I love that. Yeah, SaveWithBruce.com, man. If you're looking to buy a house anywhere in the United States or maybe you need to refi, get some cash out, uh, reduce your term, maybe the HELOC laws have changed a little bit with Trump's new tax law and you need to get rid of that home equity line of credit, I can help you with that too. SaveWithBruce.com is the place to make it happen. And Bruce and I will personally be working on your stuff, man. SaveWithBruce.com. Wow, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's a good idea. It's a, it's an ever moving market, man. It's a changing marketplace. When I first got in it, I, I wouldn't have been in it if Austin, had, you know, basically challenged my manhood. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you should be doing this. So, and he was right. I enjoyed it just like you you guys do. I'm sure. Uh, you know, I enjoy these conversations. I have ideas of what I'd like to talk about. Three or four questions I'd kind of like to get in, but. Is it, it ain't got no roadmap. There's no GPS here. We're just free falling. So I, I don't like that. Jr. I think it's, it's pretty common that everybody, you know, from my generation, considers you the greatest wrestling announcer of all time. But it sure does seem like since you started doing some New Japan stuff, you've got a fair share of boo birds out there. What's your response to all the the criticism you've received over all the the New Japan stuff you've done? Uh, it doesn't bother me a lick. I don't sli- I don't I don't seek it out. I don't do Google searches. Uh, right. You know, I don't look for it. If I, if it comes across my timeline, so be it, but I really don't care. Uh, and I and I say that not with an aura of uh, egotism. It's just the fact that what can I do about it? You know, I'm right. I'm working hard. Uh you know, I I, I know that in a, to some fans they would like for uh Don Callis and Kevin Kelly to be doing the Access TV a uh, New Japan uh, rendition. Well, that's not my decision. Right. I don't work for New Japan or New Japan World. I work for Access TV. And I and uh, Josh Barnett are who Access TV wanted to use. So if you got an issue with who they're hiring, you can talk to people that hire. Don't talk to me. I don't give a damn. I can't help, I can't help you. I think, I think most of us, or I shouldn't say most, a lot of us, 
only ever started watching Wrestle Kingdom when you did the English commentary. I mean, that was the first time I watched. I, it wasn't even on my radar. It wouldn't have even been something I would have considered. But when they said you were doing the commentary, I said, okay, I'll check this out now. And, and, I, and you, you brought something that wasn't offered to me before that made it something I wanted to see. And I, it's obvious to me why New Japan has you doing that. I mean, and why you're doing it for Access TV, because you get people like me, a diehard wrestling fan who might not normally even watch it. But if you're on it, okay, I'll watch. JR's making the call. I'll check that out. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I, and I think I think that was the case with, with, with others as well that didn't have the, the product knowledge of New Japan Pro Wrestling yeah. that, that others do. And, and look, there's been a, I don't want to say an underground or niche or whatever the hell it is, but there's been a little cluster of fans that continues to grow without a doubt. But there's been a, 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 a minority piece of the fandom that have uh, cheered on Japanese wrestling in general for, for decades. And I, I would read about it. And, you know, I, in the, the old wrestling magazines, you get the drugstore, you know, uh, that always has some representation of a Asian star. Usually, you know, Ricky Dozan in the day and then you know, all those guys, the Noki and Baba and all that stuff. So, you know, we got, we got great Muda in the, in the 80s from Japan, putting on Gary Hart and, uh, that we thought that the, the, every woman in the office loved when Muda came by and got his check. Young guy, <laughs> little looking single, right? Uh, so the, they come to the, I'm on the booking committee, and they say, well, uh, we think maybe this guy ought to be a baby face. That's okay. Well, here's the deal. Uh, the women are in heat in this office, and he comes in and he uh, stirs their cockles, so to speak. Uh, so the deal is he can't cut a promo because he can't speak English. Uh, and he can be manipulated to make his character a little bit more complex by the evil Gary Hart. What does Gary Hart have on uh, on this guy? How's Gary Hart controlling this handsome young man and making him paint his face? It's a story you can tell. But you can't. Right. He's not a baby face right now. He, but he is a... Uh, uh, obviously, he, he's creating a wet spot here and there. So, but, you know, let's use that to our advantage. But that was uh, all that Japanese stuff. That culture was always fascinating to me. I hired uh, Stan Hansen and, and and Big Van Vader to come into WCW after watching them work uh, on the Japanese videotapes. I was, I was mesmerized as a fan. Like, oh, I got to see more of this. I want to see more of this. Little did I know that they they'd been beat up all to hell, you know, and two old war horses man so but i love those that's so excited to watch those products they get to bring guys in and and uh and use them you know creatively so it's a fun deal but anyway back to the criticisms that you're a public figure have at it you know i'm a big boy sometimes it may be right let's say on it on the tony shivani piece of this business how long will you guys how long will you spend on preparation before taping that show i'll uh fire up the wwe network and pull up whatever pay-per-view we're covering that week and then while it's sort of playing in the background i'll make some notes and i'll pull up either the torch or the observer website and make some notes from their back issues around that same time and at the conclusion of that show my prep is done so if it's a three-hour pay-per-view i've got three hours of prep and then whenever tony and i go 
it's sort of live to tape. We just press play and click record, and three hours later we're done. So I've got six hours all told in a Tony Schiavone show. Where do you? Uh, where do you? That's very efficient, by the way. Where do you uh, record? Uh, in my house, I have a little home studio that I'm talking to you at right now. Does Tony come to your house to do that? He has several times, and we've done it through Skype a few times when he was either uh, at his radio station there in Atlanta, and sometimes he's just in his little home studio in his basement. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't know that kid yet. Lois kicked his ass to the basement. That's where he sleeps when she wants him to sleep there. See. I'm sure that that's the, uh, the secret to a 40-year marriage is sleeping on different yeah. floors. Here's, look, pal. Anybody that's a wrestling lifer, as a fan, as a gopher, as a errand boy, or an athathan, uh, whatever your role is, your lot in a wrestling life to have a 40-plus-year marriage is historical. It's goddamn historical. He ought to have a monument with a great big pack, <laughs> a great big monument with a big old package. Looks like he's trying to smuggle, uh, I don't know, maybe tangerines across the border. Something really drastic. That's all of you, Tony. The father of our country. He's got five kids, for God's sakes. No, I mean, he really does. It's it's weird because when they did Tony Schiavone night at the ballpark there in Atlanta this past summer, I felt like it was uh, it was almost like when Alabama goes to the White House and they've got a line up. It's like, wait a minute, you're his kid too? And you're his kid? And you're his? <laughs> it's like, wow, Tony did not have cable in the 80s, man. It wasn't a thing. Oh, he had cable all right. He just is a, he's just he's like a he's like a secretariat. That's what he is. <laughs> he and I used to share a room, you know. When Crockett gave us thirty five dollars a day uh, expense money, I think it was thirty five dollars a day, and that was for room, food, and your rental car. Conrad, that was in the late eighties, early nineties. It wasn't decades and decades ago, or maybe it was thirty five bucks. So we we shared a room. We right. shared, we shared a rental car. Uh, and we always got an upgraded rental car, and which always helped us at the same cheap price. We sh- we we had a we got this room at a place called the Fairfield Inn. Mm-hmm. It's a Marriott property. That's always funny. But the, the uh, we stayed, we shared a room, and and uh, it was great because the room had a remote control television. That was like the that was like the pinnacle of success. We were in a brand new hotel room with remote control television. It was marvelous. That's a to- that's a story of me and Tony. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was waiting for a, a Lois run in or something. No, or, or no, 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 no. Uh, you know, we talk about Klondike Bill on the uh, Shivani podcast quite a bit. Do you have any fun Klondike Bill stories that you can share on the show? I don't know what you, I've heard uh, the uh, rumblings of your Kl- Klondike Bill escapades. The only one that I know firsthand was Klondike Bill was working for Leroy McGurk in the Oklahoma Territory, and they ran Fort Smith on Wednesday nights uh, on Towson Avenue. It's then the main drag through downtown Fort Smith. Towson Avenue, an old Pontiac dealership called the Jimmy Lott Sports Arena. Jimmy Lott was an Alabama football player, pro wrestler, and a... uh, uh, the promoter there for years, Jimmy Lott, L-O-T-T. You ought to look him up. He might be one of your cousins. Maybe. You never know. He's an Alabama guy. He's an alum. He's an alum. He rolled tide. Uh, Roll tide. Yeah. So, uh, but Klondike Bill had a habit of going by the bus station, getting in town a little early. He always said it was for, for publicity uh, because he was so unique looking. You know, he's 350 pounds, big beard. 
plaid shirt, of course. And, uh, but a lot of the uh, ladies of the, of the evening would hang out at the bus station. So Klondike oh. was in a big program uh, as a, like the number two baby face. And uh, he got syphilis of the eyes. Oh. So his eyes are swell shut and all bad things coming out of them. Just really not a good thing. And very contagious, uh, infectious as I'm of the understanding. So in other words, he got unbooked and the, all the TV had to be redone. And I saw then, you know, that true is true that the most powerful weapon in wrestling is the eraser. But that was my Klondike Bill story that he got syphilis of the eyes. Well, and it also shows that it's undefeated in the history of the world. Who, Klondike? Well, something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Klondike was a good, he was a good guy. He was a, he was a good guy. I, I always enjoyed being, hanging around him. He was an old school man and uh, you know, a, a, good, a good dude, a good dude. Do you have uh, when you're Conrad? When you were growing up, was Flair your guy? Oh no, man! When I was a little Hulkamaniac, you know, we didn't have a choice. Everybody in my school was all about the Macho Man or the Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan. The WWF was running wild when I was a kid. It wasn't until I was probably 15 or 16 years old that I started to have an appreciation through tape trading uh, for all the stuff that Flair and the Horsemen did with Crockett. And by that point, I had I had grown out of saying my prayers and eating my vitamins. That was hokey stuff. It wasn't for me anymore. But man, you, this, you became this whole a you, you, you became a heathen. I became a horseman fan. That's what I became. <laughs> yeah, hey, that was good. They they were so finite that they could be cool, but you still want to see them get their ass whipped. Right. But they were cool. I got to say that. But I don't like the bastards. They're cool, but I want to see them get there. Now, we have heels today that really had much rather be a, a lukewarm heel, a cool heel. They don't want you really to not buy their T-shirts or their gimmicks from the gimmick stand. Right. Can't have that. So, uh, but the horsemen were, I mean, they had their, you know, their heads are all scarred up and they're bleeding every night and. You know they're doing they're doing everything they said they were going to do, and it pissed you off. After a while, okay, enough's enough. But I just thought they were great. The chemistry, the chemistry of that group was just you. You just can't you can't design that. Okay, you play the role of Rick, and you play the role, then that's what you get. Chief right, chief imitation. Well, and I think the most underrated component of the whole deal, at least for me, that I didn't appreciate you know years ago, but I do now, is Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson added a layer of realism that I don't know that the horseman would have been the same if he weren't there and a part of it. Agreed, 100%. Uh, he, uh, Arn was the rudder in the water and could work with anybody. And and even though he may bitch about it, because everybody did, it stopped at the dressing room. Uh, when he got outside the walls of the locker room area and was going to the ring, he was all business. And his, he knew what his job was and what his role was, and he was just really, really good at it. So I'm with you, Conrad, on that. He's, he's always been the he, – he may not get all the votes for MVP of the Horseman, but if you peel, peel back enough layers and look at the whole foundation and uh, his uh, tenure, it's pretty damn hard to beat. It really is. I, I also thought – did you remember that when we teamed him and Austin up? Yeah, they were a part of the Dangerous Alliance together. Yeah, okay. That was a good group, too. 
that that dangerous alliance group you know tony and i have sort of freestyled on his show that if for whatever reason the horsemen didn't exist people would still probably be talking about the dangerous alliance just because of what a collection of talent that was yeah and he had the the beautiful blonde athletic woman dangerous woman uh you know he had larry constantly talking zabisco oh hi conrad you know that kind of deal that's him <laughs> larry good old larry uh Arn was a he just he was that rudder in the water man he just i never saw him have a bad match and i i know he had matches with the guys that were not nearly as good as him that he had to rise up bring up to his level and that's look that's hard i know as a broadcaster that's hard to do night after night. So I was really lucky that I had partners, long-term partners, that I never had that issue whatsoever. Yeah. Do you think if uh, Arn was 10 or 15 years older, he would have had a shot to be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion? 10 or 15 years older? Yeah, you know, back in the Dory Funk, Terry Funk, Harley Race era. Well, I mean, once Flair came along, I get it. But if he predated Flair... Yeah, he, you think that was that's, for him? He was uh, he had the skill set that the promoters generally look for: durability, reliability. My number one trait of hiring anybody: Do you, are you reliable? Are you going to come to work on time? Uh, he just uh, he had all the traits, the work traits. He could work baby face or heel. He like uh, uh, some other historic left-handers ahead of him like jack briscoe something unique right something unique oh like the, the old promoters were like old baseball scouts conrad they saw little things and guys that they could play upon and you know if a guy can only do a couple things we could do them really really good then those things were made to be special then when he saw them he saw the best he had that led to something it always had a conclusion and and we weren't so Hell bent on on uh, keeping the audience guessing, and the, uh, for, for God's sakes, even though it might be the right thing to do, Conrad. For God's sakes, Conning, you you. But there's no reason to do something uh, if it's if it's the right thing to do, then do it. That's my point. And sometimes I think that you know we're looking at reasons to to not like some things, and I I just I can't be a fan that way. I can't be I can't be a general bitcher and a moaner and i know you're not but i know there's things i see that i wish could be tweaked don't you sure absolutely i think everybody does i mean you know i'm pretty happy with the product that they put out now though because i understand that not everything is for me and so like i i make the comparison to when naomi made her belt glow I thought, boy, that's kind of dumb. And then I was watching with my daughter, and she was like, Dad, the belt glows. This is awesome. I hope they start selling a belt that glows. And I thought, you know, if my dad was watching wrestling with me when the million-dollar belt was introduced, my dad may look at me and say, boy, that's kind of dumb. But as a kid, I thought the million-dollar belt was the greatest thing ever. So I've started to appreciate wrestling through her eyes, too, where I'm able to see things that I think, I don't know if I like that. And say, you know what? That's not for me. But my daughter thinks it's awesome, so it's part of the show. Absolutely, it gives another demographic a reason to invest their time and right. their and their money. It, it gives another segment of society a viable reason to participate. And the kids get hooked, and they like it. 
They're having fun. They can relate to some of the things that are going on or, or, the, or the, the, the belts glowing, whatever it may be, whatever it may be that attracts a child's eye, then you got to hit. Then they will bring mom and dad. Mom and dad, dad will go to the wrestling matches just to get the little girl to you know, ease up, lighten up here, kid, because he wants to go too. So the point is, is that it's smart marketing to hit that younger demographic. And I think that sometimes the, the lack of focus on the TV 14 audience that they, people perceive if you're TV 14, you're, you're good. You're not. It's not, it's not a layup. Uh, but I, I just think that the, the, uh, the, the older audience, the defined audience, they may be feeling that they're being displaced, that they're, they're not quite as important as they used to be because the products changed a great deal. Does that have any, any validity in theory? Well, I think it does, but I also think that there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan than right now because you don't have to watch that current product that's on TV every Monday and Tuesday. Instead, you can catch all the old stuff on the network and then podcasts like what we're doing right now, the access that we fans have now, because I'm just a fan, is unbelievable. Back in the day, if I wanted to communicate to Hulk Hogan, I had to write a letter to Stanford, and even at 10 years old, I knew... Hogan's never going to see this, but I want to mail in something. It's sort of like mailing something to Santa Claus, I guess. But now, as an adult, if you want to, you can tweet Hulk Hogan, and odds are good he's going to like or retweet or reply. Or, there's the level of access you have as a wrestling fan and the new content. Maybe it's not on USA. You've still got wrestling content for your wrestling fix, and it doesn't have to just be Monday nights. It can be Thursday afternoon now. If I ask you, what are your three favorite wrestling matches of all time? Can you name those three matches? To me, my three favorite matches of all time are WrestleMania 13 with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart, the Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, and probably Terry Funk and Ric Flair, the New York Knockout I Quit match. Those are probably my three favorite. I don't know why, but I sort of lumped the Steamboat trilogy into a different category. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three favorite I've ever been to live, that's a little more challenging, I guess. But I'll, I don't think I'll forget WrestleMania 30 when The Undertaker lost. Yeah. Because it, it was a real everybody looking around like, hey, they messed up. This wasn't supposed to happen. The shock and the panic that happened was just unbelievable. So, I mean, that certainly makes the list. If I was there at ringside, the way those guys pull that thing off at the end, the facial expressions... The, the looks and the faces, I'll give them a big dilly-dilly. <laughs> they have to have a dilly-dilly, yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, I, and those three matches you saw, those your favorite on TV, had one thing in common. I called all three of those matches. Well, there you go. How about that? As you get older, these things become more meaningful. And sometimes that's a sad state of affairs, Conrad, when you're you know, at my stage of life, you know, I'm, I'm in that, I'm on the back nine type thing here. So, and that's just the way it is. It's going to happen to everybody. So, you know, poor me. That's the way you want to look at it, but it shouldn't look at it that way. And that's why I enjoy writing a book. You know, I can at least tell some of the story before I'm still around. And, and by the way, we were talking before we came on that you actually have read Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, because I like to pat myself on the back as long as I don't break my arm. Why did you like, gee, Conrad, why did you like Slobberknocker? Well, I'm glad you brought it up, JR. Oh, yeah. I've read so many wrestling books, I I didn't really know what to expect. And so I just 
was sort of expecting the, the typical wrestling book. And I was really pleasantly surprised because we got to feel like we were with you along this journey. And you weren't so much talking about what everybody else was doing, but your own experiences. And I feel like sometimes we get the, um, the 30,000 flight view of what was going on as opposed to, so I'm riding in the car with Vince McMahon. And that story is just something you can't get anywhere else. And I was just fascinated by it and really appreciated, you know, the, the story of your life with Jan and how you met her and the different traveling decisions and being laid off and hired back and jumping from WCW. The inside view of of meeting Vince McMahon the first time and talking behind the building, that's the type of stuff that doesn't normally get written about. It's, I wanted to go to work for Vince, and here's why. But not a real play-by-play of the meeting. And that was fun, and I thought it was well done. So shout-out to you and Paul for putting together an awesome book. Yeah, Paul O'Brien's brilliant. I, I ask a lot of my guests this question, and I'll ask it to you as well. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling? Uh, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and um, man, this is a Macho Man, I guess. I was I was I was on the fence. Am I going Terry Funk or am I going Macho Man? I'm going Randy Savage. See, there's no bad list, right? No, there's no bad list. Now I'll promise you, Conrad. What's your what's your Twitter? At hey hey, it's Conrad. At hey hey, it's Conrad. I follow Conrad. Let's look on there. And I can prove it. He's a very entertaining uh, follow. Hey, hey, it's Conrad uh, on Twitter. But now, after saying you're Mount Rushmore, there will be some that will take exception to your opinion. Sure. And how the hell can a grown man with a full face beard (laughs) think that Randy Savage belongs on the Mount Rushmore ahead of Steve Austin? Or The Rock? Oh, well, there's there's an argument to be made for some of that, maybe. So my point is, we have all these tools to communicate with. It's funny how some of us use them. I'm leery of even sometimes expressing an opinion because it's almost like you're inviting trouble. Oh, I'm, I'm good with it. Send me your hate tweets. I, hey, hey, it's Conrad. I, I think wrestling's what you grow up on, man. And when I was a kid, Dusty Rhodes, and I know this is going to upset a lot of my, my Mid-Atlantic friends like Dick Bourne, I love the polka dot version of Dusty as a kid. And it wasn't until later when I got into tape trading that I learned about the Crockett version. And that was even better. But I didn't know about that as a kid. And I thought the the Macho King, Dusty Rhodes stuff, and the Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior feuds that Macho Man had, that was great stuff. So they're on, they're on my Mount Rushmore. And it's not your mountain. It's my mountain. Exactly. I'd love to hear yours and, you know, roll tide. Yeah, absolutely. Roll tide. Conrad, you seem to be ahead of the curve. I, I I love what you've done, as I said, with Tony and with Bruce. Tony kind of lost interest in the business, and he has so much to offer. And Bruce Bruce was in a very, very unique position for years there in WWE, working so closely with Vince. So that's an, that's an education and, and, a, and a, a plethora of stories you can't replicate anywhere else. You just can't. Where do you see the podcast uh, business going in general but obviously a little bit more specifically on our, our genre, our genre rather. Well, I mean, I think there'll be more video. I think uh, video is becoming more and more accessible. And I think that that's going to become a bigger part of what we do. And uh, whether it's through Twitch or Facebook watch or whatever, I do think that the video aspect will be a big part of it. And I don't think it's too far fetched to think one day 
we might not have a live stream of you doing commentary on Raw. So if you want to watch Raw and hear JR call it instead, I think that's a good idea and one that wrestling fans can get behind. So I think it'll just continue to evolve, but it'll take a more live format. And I I do think there will be a video element. And I think there'll be more live events. I think people... You know, I'm sure they want to hear about our great sponsors like you've got here on your show and we've got on ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I know that they want to they want to see us. They want to they want to have an experience, and that's that's what my idea behind calling to thank you for the T-shirt was because I know that that's what fans will really resonate with, and and they want to tell their buddies about the time Jr. called. They want to tell their buddies about the time Brother Love called. They want their own story, and so like I had an uncle who met Elvis once, and we have to hear it at every family reunion. It's like we <laughs> You're damn right, you do. And, and so that that, but that's the thing, and it's like if you get that experience, and it costs a couple bucks, well, I'm doing that as opposed to buying this other shirt that costs the same thing, and I don't get the experience. So I think that that experience aspect, whether it's a live stream or an interactive video or us going to their town and doing a live show there. I think that's probably what's coming next for our genre. Uh, listen, I appreciate you uh, spending part of your day with us here, and uh, you and Bruce are doing great things. Uh, again, Tony as well. Uh, I'm some of your uh, live event experiences that you're going to be doing uh, going forward in a, in a variety of venues and arenas, shall we say, is exciting. I'm going to keep my eye on that deal. I think that's really a, 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 a really a interesting component to uh to a captive audience i just to me it's a really cool idea so in any event good luck on that conrad thanks a lot and as a fan i gotta tell you it is such a big deal to get a text message from the greatest announcer of all time saying hey do you want to come on my show of course i want to come on your show it's such an honor i appreciate it thank you very much well uh listen conrad thanks buddy i appreciate you uh, hopping on your show with tony drops on mondays right that's right. Mondays at 6 a.m. You can catch it at whwmonday.com. That's for What Happened When Monday. And uh, every Friday at noon, cruise over to somethingtowrestle.com, and you'll be able to hear Bruce and I talk about the good old days of the World Wrestling Federation. And these shows are usually marathons, two, three, sometimes even four hours, but we do our best to keep you entertained. And sometimes our language is a little saltier than JR, so I'll give you a heads up there. But I'd love to have your follow on Twitter and interact with you and Tell me how stupid my uh, Mount Rushmore is. At hey hey, it's Conrad, and he likes the hate tweets. So if you got the balls, send him one. <laughs> Conrad, th- thank you, buddy. Have a have a good day, and I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks a lot, man. Very uh, talented guy, Conrad Thompson. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, the, the the podcast with Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle with Tony Schiavone. a show that drops on Mondays. Uh, again, I was mentioning starting a thing with Eric Bischoff called 83 Weeks. That hurts. No kidding. <laughs> we just got our ass whipped. That's all. That's all. Uh, that's all. And uh, so, uh, in any event, we're not going to have interviews here every week. I just want you to know that now. It's just a little update. Uh, I will interview people that I feel that are that I need to have on and in a timely basis. And maybe more than one guest, maybe some shorter uh, interview segments. We're still a work in progress here on the on the Mighty Westwood One, and uh, we're going to be adding a lot of new things as we go forward, refining our game. So we're not going to stop doing interviews by any stretch. It's just that I may not have an interview every week, and if not, let me tell you, with what's going on in the wrestling world right now, there's plenty to 
cover, including uh, Bruce and, and Conrad's show on the uh, WWE Network on On Demand. Uh, check that out. It's an extension of their podcast uh, on, on video. And I'm really glad that two more uh, fat rednecks, other than me, made it to television. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mouth. You know, I've gotten a lot of feedback on our show since we started back. Uh, this is our third show, as I mentioned earlier. They drop every uh, Wednesday. Uh, don't forget to subscribe for free, by the way, I might add, at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. You can hear our show anywhere podcasts are heard in the, in the, in the world. And uh, we uh, thank you for your loyalty and your support. But when I, one of the things that when we had some new features, I was always curious about what's going to get the most uh, play, so to speak. And it overwhelmingly has been, thus far, uh, the Pet Coon Goofy Award. Now, some of you uh, did hear my story that I actually had a pet coon. And that it was, you can't domesticate a wild animal like a pet coon. All they're good is to run the, your daddy's yard, the grass in the yard. Uh, so when I say pet coon goofy, I know of what I speak. And there are a lot of candidates this week for pet coon goofy. You know, I'm watching uh, TNT, which I love uh, NF, the uh, NBA on TNT. Uh, uh, playoffs are great, but I'm probably as excited to watch the, uh, the stuff with uh, Barkley and Kenny the Jet. Shaq, Ernie Johnson. I think that's the best sports show on television uh, of, at a desk. Those guys are phenomenal. But nonetheless, it's not, it's not here to talk about them, but it's here to talk about Mitt Romney. What the hell were you thinking? Putting a, a jersey over your little, your little blue shirt. If there was ever a definition of a Caucasian nerd in the dictionary, that picture will be represented by Mitt Romney in a Utah jersey. I got no problem with the Utah jersey. I got no problem with the Utah Jazz. They're better than the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I love the Thunder. They're just a better team. But Mitt, come on. You know, you ain't hit, baby. I ain't either, but I ain't running for office. And he didn't even win the award this week. Now, I, I could have gone in the to the New Orleans Police Department who are investigating. There's an ongoing investigation uh, regarding the uh, incident involving uh, Jake Roberts and uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. in a hot cup of coffee. So an investigation is ongoing. Are you kidding? An investigation? God. Investigation. Hey, I'm not condoning any act of violence or aggression or throwing coffee in anybody's face or any of that stuff. But for the police department to have a active investigation. What is there to investigate? What else could have been, but somebody threw coffee in another guy's face. I ain't condoning it, but do you have to have an investigation? Please. And then they, this other guy apparently, uh, has a, I think a lawsuit against, uh, claiming some sort of intellectual property thing off, off of Randy Orton's tattoo that appeared in a 2K video game. Hey, I believe in pr protecting our IP, but was is there not a better way to settle something without going to court? Is that just the automatic don't pass go, just go do it, just go sue? That could have won, but it didn't. But uh, I'm going to give the Pet Coon Goofy Award, and I'm going to get off this topic. Maybe I'll mention it next week, but, you know, WWE's getting a lot of heat because they're not taking any women to Saudi Arabia. Well, first of all, uh, the WWE has done more to promote women's wrestling than any company in history, ever, ever. And uh, 
the the customs of the country are being addressed. It's it's a it's a slow change, but there's change on the way for a country that has not even uh, considered change in the past. Good things will happen. The Saudi Arabia will have more westernized culture. Women there are already taking driver's ed courses and learning to drive. Uh, I am for total uh, equality. Gender, race, religion, the whole nine yards, man. The good Lord put us all here for a reason. And no matter the skin color or your religious preference or where the hell you live or your financial status, whatever that may be, you got a heart and a soul and we're all the same. So I just don't understand where... You know, uh, I even saw somebody jumped in my stuff at, uh, on Twitter because I'm on the kickoff panel that's hosted by Byron Saxton, and it's not hosted by Renee Young, who, by the way, is as good at what she does as anybody has ever been in our, in our genre. But it wasn't a fit this time. And I don't know for sure that she's probably she – I don't think she's probably losing too much sleep over the fact not flying to Saudi Arabia. Just thinking, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. So the, the bottom line, I think, is, is that – this deal with Saudi Arabia and WWE financially is a, is a win-win. And when the company is healthy financially, it helps every talent, man and woman. And uh, I just think it's uh, the perception of WWE going there and, and the anticipation that someday the women will be there. I believe that will happen. I really believe that will happen in my lifetime. In my lifetime. Uh, I saw a tweet where a lady said, uh, Give women a voice. Wow. Respect. Uh, respect is lacking in WWE for women. That is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. It's embarrassing. Uh, just crazy. Hey, look, they closed Raw with a, with a big tag team match. They closed Raw to multiple segment match. That's big time. That's progress in this country. And it's continuing to evolve. And I don't think that not going is the way you make change. I think going to Saudi Arabia and showing them what the Western culture is all about, getting to know our athletes better, uh, that someday these changes will be affected. That's my take on it. But how anybody can bitch and moan about the WWE and women. Oh, they're not taking any women. Oh, all of a sudden everybody's, uh, all of a sudden everybody's uh, uh, you know, oh, I'm, free, I'm big in this. I'm big in this category. Since when? Last week? When he found out other people were on social media bitching and moaning about there's no women going to be on the card. Hey, I can tell you a lot of, I can tell you this folks, and I'm not saying it's right, but come on, we gotta, we gotta have to, we have to evolve here and I want us to evolve, but I've been on a lot of I've broadcast refereed, promoted a lot of wrestling shows that had nary a lady on it. So where the women are now, you can easily say, well, they should have been there all along. Of course they should have. And, 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 and in America, African-Americans should be treated like dirt by a lot of people. But they do, and they have, and it's wrong. And we're trying to change that, too, in our society, right? So I believe that WWE is doing the right thing. Uh, the, the, the goose that lays the golden egg has to stay healthy for all involved to enjoy that success. And I believe this deal with Saudi Arabia is a huge financial boon to the company. And their company has made a major commitment, and I am all for WWE on this trip. And I believe that we, our trip there, this first trip, I'm very pleased to be on, will open the eyes of a lot of people about 
what the WWE can bring as far as entertainment and excitement and uh, PR and, and all these things. And that someday the ladies of the WWE will be welcomed with open arms to Saudi Arabia. But until then, for God's sakes, just quit your bitching and don't act like Mitt Romney. Another segment that we're glad that we've added to our format here on the mighty Westwood One, where you can uh, subscribe for free at iApple Podcasts. Uh, I started to say iTunes. Shows you how far behind I am. Apple Podcasts is free. Leave a five-star rating, please, and thank you. Uh, this week in wrestling, ladies and gents, there are a lot of hey, there are a lot of good uh, suggestions on this too. Uh, it was a big week because. You know, it's, it's, it's after WrestleMania time. And so a lot of big things happen soon after WrestleMania to kind of set the stage for the, for the next, uh, next cycle, if you will. But I'm going to, this week in wrestling's highlight is a low light in my career because I am on, in a wrestling ring, I am much like a cow on ice. My big Oklahoma ass is clumsy and I got no business out there. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, on April 25th, 2011, Monday Night Raw, Raleigh, North Carolina is the scene. A sold-out crowd on hand to see one of the most athletic matchups in history. Jim Ross versus Michael Cole. Ugh. Uh, And, of course, Jack Swagger and Jerry Lawler were involved, which actually added some athleticism uh, to the presentation. But during the course of that match, Several little things happened. Uh, I potated Spud City here. I potated Michael Cole in the mouth. I stuck his one of his teeth uh, in my knuckle. Uh, the medical staff was said, "You know that teeth are so highly, you know, uh, infectious or whatever they are." I didn't know that. I have been bitten a lot of, by a lot of people. I know. Any, anyway, I don't digress there. That's a bad story. Uh, but I busted his mouth open. I busted my hand open with his teeth. I apologized later, but I, I, I didn't, I had to, you have to lay it in, right? You have to look, make it look good. I don't, I don't need, I knew it was going to be bad. So you still got to lay it in. I did. I apologized. And, uh, I got the, an ankle lock by Jack Swagger. I got, I got whipped like a government mule by Michael Cole with a belt until Jerry, the King Lawler, the Hugh Hefner of wrestling made a save and set up a massive tag team match for extreme rules. Uh, that was in uh, Tampa, as a matter of fact. Uh, and at that event, tag match, country whipping. I think that the brass in WWE just liked seeing me in a country whipping match. I think they like seeing my big Oklahoma ass get, get slashed, beat, woodshedded. And, uh, but nonetheless, I, I'm kidding. Uh, Lawler and I were teaming, and uh, I made a little comeback on Michael Cole. Uh, wink, wink. I'll use that term loosely. But at the end of the day... Good old JR did the honors. Cole got the Duke. We lost. And my record stayed pretty much the same. Not very good. Not very many wins and a whole bunch of losses. But it was fun while it lasted. I just, people say, why do you do that? Well, first of all, I get paid by the company. I'm a company man. Uh, I practice what I preach as a head head of talent relations. I was in a lot of storylines that were more gruesome than that over my years because that's what the company needed on that particular night. So if you're willing to take the money, my daddy said, then by God, be willing to do the work. I am. I'm cashing those checks. I promise you, still cashing them. 
So, uh, and that's what I'm in the business for, not for my artistic development, but to add to my bottom line and enjoy my life. Easy, easy, easy. Figure that out, right? So, uh, I, I just, it's, it's fun. But I, the reason I was always uncomfortable because I'm, I'm an egocentric, egocentric maniac. Uh, and some people say he's damn sure is. I just felt I wasn't very good at it, and I didn't want to embarrass the company. I didn't want to embarrass who I was in the ring with. But then I got in the ring with Michael Colvin. How the hell am I going to embarrass him? He can't wrestle either. So at least we got by it, and it forged some stuff along, and uh, it was good entertainment, fine. If you didn't like it, well, then, you know, hope it will never happen again, I can promise you. So uh, that's this week in wrestling, April 25th, 2011, Monday Night Raw, Raleigh. And I don't think Raleigh has ever been the same since uh, Barney Fife left Mayberry and moved to Raleigh to work for the uh, – North Carolina uh, Bureau of uh, whatever. Barney Fife almost screwed Raleigh up. Michael Cole and JR finished the job. Look at this! Well, it's mailback time, ladies and gents. And remember, uh, you can you can uh, give me your questions, your comments, things you'd like to hear me talk about, different things. But questions for sure for the mailbag are at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. You might want to bookmark that, you know, and, and, and when you feel like it, you got an idea or a question or something, uh, the Jim Ross report at gmail.com. And, uh, this week's mailbag is a headline by a few submissions that were selected by our expert panel, uh, from CD, the music man, Scully, what's your opinion on new Japan's current scheduling system? Should they transition to a weekly schedule a la WWE to ensure constant uh, North American viewing. Uh, I think they're doing fine. You know, they're growing slowly, but surely, you know, they, they get great exposure on Friday nights at 8, 7 Central on Access TV, uh, including this week when we have the uh, uh, New Japan Cup semifinals. More on that later. Uh, so I, I think they're growing at a, at a, at a manageable rate. Uh, the only way they're going to continue to grow in North America is to have more events in North America that the fans can uh, participate in and support. And, of course, their next one is going to be in the Cow Palace in July. I fully expect to be televised by uh, uh, Access TV. At least I hope so. That's the plan, I think. So I, I don't think so. I don't think that there's a uh, – their scheduling system is they got to ease into this thing, and they're making a big step from going from a 4,700-seat arena to a you know ten thousand plus seat arena uh, from March until July, and I hope it'll be a success for them. Miguel in Puerto Rico says hello, Jr. Hello, Miguel. Uh, glad to see you back in the podcast game. Hoping nothing but success for you. Thank you, sir. Uh, do you think the OVW class, Cena, Batista, Orton, Lesnar, etc. That means Sheldon Benjamin, by the way, will ever be surpassed as the best roster to come out of a, of a developmental territory? Well. Uh, you know, hard to say, really hard to say. You hope so. You hope so. That's going to be a matter of how well these kids are scouted, uh, making good decisions on who you bring in, making good decisions on how they're coached up, who they're coached by, who they work with. There's so many variables. But I will tell you that that one class that we had uh, with Cena, Lesnar, Batista, Randy Orton, and Shelton Benjamin will be damn hard to beat. Damn hard to beat. And remember, uh, on that uh, that that group right there, 
You know who the the uh, foreman of the ring crew was? The driver of the truck? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. He had been on the farm all his life. He knew how to drive a truck, pull a trailer. He became the, he, he became the foreman of the ring crew, uh, and that's how he learned part of his stuff. So he's, he, he will work. He's, he's never been afraid of working. Uh, Drew is in Des Moines, Iowa, as my grandpa would say. Thank you for doing your podcast again. Well, thank you for listening, Drew. I find W Hall of Famer Ed Farhat, a.k.a. the Sheik, fascinating. Uh, you got a good eye then. I never worked with him uh, to any degree. We went in the Hall of Fame in the same class in 2007. Uh, Mr. Farhat went in posthumously. He, he knew how to be the Sheik. Uh, watched some of the tapes. He had, he had amazing crowd psychology. Uh, he simplified his game. What he did, he did really, really well. Just like I tell young people these seminars and these Q&As and things, and I mentioned the kids down at uh, uh, IWR this weekend, if you can't throw a good punch, just don't throw one. If you can't uh, stay in the ring, then you need to work on your game. Maybe you shouldn't be here. If you've got to go outside and do some sensationalistic spots because you can't tell a story, you might want to reevaluate your fundamental uh, work. So, uh, but Eddie Farhat, the Sheik, was uh, arguably, and you know, this is very subjective. I would say that over time, if you ask a lot of experts, I'm probably not one, but I would say Eddie Farhat's probably the top 10 villains, wrestling villains of all time. He owned Detroit and made himself a lot of money. Uh, Carl, Carl is at. The big CH on Twitter, if you, if you care. As you travel to Saudi Arabia, I have to wonder when you first broke into the business and revealed what places you were excited to see compared to now. Hmm. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, when I got in the business, I was very happy to be in the Mid-South Territory for Leroy McGurk and Bill Watts. Uh, I was hoping to get a booking in the, in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and the Southern part of the territory. So I could make some money more than $25 a day. I was making in Fort Smith and Tulsa and, and so forth. As a matter of fact, one time in the Jimmy Lott sports arena on Towson Avenue in Fort Smith, Arkansas, the house was so bad that the promoter Leonard clay notoriously known for his, uh, uh, sticky fingers, uh, paid me in hot dogs, two hot dogs. And then I said, well, do I get a Coke? And he said, that'll be a quarter. No kidding. Welcome to the wrestling business, kid. Uh, let me see here. John Owens. What are the challenges in calling a match like the Royal Rumble? Well, it's, a, it's, exhil- it's exhilarating. Uh, the story changes at every interval of a new entrant. So you have to be, you have to process quickly. You got to use sound bites. You got to be mentally prepared to have something on everybody that comes out. Uh, and, but the story changes every minute or two, whatever the intervals are, as I mentioned, but it's challenging and it seems like it just, the time just blows by and it's usually, it, it's, it's about an hour or so as a rule, uh, depending on how many and all that good stuff, but it's challenging, but fun. I remember the first one that Taz did, Taz and I did a, a rumble together. I know he was probably a little bit apprehensive, uh, because working with me, uh, and, and I don't mean to sound like an egomaniac, but you know, I was the lead guy at that time. And you know, he's, he's going moving over to SmackDown, going to jump on that, uh, Royal Rumble team, and he did a hell of a good job, too. I said, just relax. Just follow, and we'll, we'll do it. I said, just like we were wrestling, I'd follow you. This world, you follow me, and it will have a good presentation. And that's all it's about, teamwork. And he did a good job. Uh, from T, he wants to know if I only have one black cat all these years, or did 
they do I have many duplicate hats? Well, here's the deal. I have my hats made in the Oklahoma City Stockyards area at a place called Shorty's Cowboy Hattery. Shorty's Cowboy Hattery is in the Stockyard District in Oklahoma City. They're one of the few hatteries left uh, in our in this part of the world, and I get my hats made there, custom made. I can call them on the phone and tell them what I need. And they know it's black. They know it's a four inch brim, and they know I get a, uh, a I think it's a hundred X Beaver. They're not cheap. The damn thing's about nine hundred bucks. So, uh, but I've got multiple hats. Uh, my wife and I used to like to donate hats to like make a wish and some things like that. And I kept a stock of them, but right now I've got three hats to my name and I'm sure they'll all find homes at some point in time. And then finally, uh, this is pretty cool. Listen to this big fan of yours. Thank you for the hard work over the years. Uh, it has accumulated in a beautiful book, which I've now listened to three times. Wow. Two weeks ago, I completed my first marathon. I had your audio book in my ears for all 26.2 miles. Wow. I'm 34 years old and 27 of those years have been listening to you. That's pretty cool. The John Wayne quote rings in my ears and did so during the marathon. Couldn't have done it without your words and your book. At the 21 mile mark, 21 miles, I'd be in the hospital. At the 21-mile mark, when I wanted to quit, I heard your father's quote, nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. Great philosophy to live by. And that's from uh, Dan Smith in Manchester, England. Dan, thank you for that. And uh, keep running those marathons, buddy. And then find somebody that you can bring along with you and motivate, some younger person that can tap into your enthusiasm, your passion, and your will to succeed and finish a project. And see what you can build from that. Remember, we all need to be mentors and role models as best we possibly can. And uh, remember that uh, if you want to throw your questions at me on here on the show, uh, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. That's our mailbag for this week. What a volatile, explosive situation. I certainly hope you guys have enjoyed the show this week. I appreciate you being with us. Appreciate Conrad Thompson's uh, candidness. Very entertaining guy. Uh, wishing continued success on the WWE Network with uh, Brother Love, my friend Brucey. And uh, I love Tony Schiavone like a brother. And uh, we've had so much fun working with each other over the years, and I think we're good for each other's career. And, he, and right now we're better friends than we've ever been. So and I, I appreciate that. So uh, thanks, Conrad, for being with us. You guys check out all the Conrad's projects, and Lord knows he's got plenty of them. Uh, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy and support. Uh, I wanted to mention that this week on Access TV, just in closing here, that uh, uh, it's on Friday nights, as you know, at 8, 7 Central. And it, this week we have the semifinals, two big matches, uh, the semifinals of the New Japan Cup. Uh, Tanahashi versus Juice Robinson and Zack Sabre Jr., who is red-ass hot. And I'm not talking about in a sexual way. Oh, my God. Is he hot as Connie? No, he's not as hot as Connie, but he's he's pretty hot as far as a wrestler is concerned on this streak of submitting people. And so it's Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata to the great young stars uh, on both sides in New Japan. So that's on uh, Friday nights at 8, 7 Central. And by the way, uh, coming up uh, in on May the 11th, or at next week, not this week, but next week we have the uh, New Japan Cup Finals. The following week, we have a three-hour special 
or the Secure Genesis coverage. All it starts at 8, 7 Central on Access TV. And, uh, and outside of the traditional cable satellite and so forth, like uh, DirecTV, Access is also available on Sling TV, DirecTV Now, and Philo. Or is it Philo? Somebody will correct me, I promise you. So check us out on Friday nights. Great crew I work with there. I love working with Josh Barnett. We do I, I just we have a lot of fun. We call wrestling and it's pretty straightforward. So if you like straightforward presentation in that respect, uh, we, we got something for you on Friday nights. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the G1 special, uh, as they're calling it, will be in San Francisco on July 7th for New Japan. And uh, again, we hope to be there at ringside calling that event. Uh, tickets on sale May 1st, I'm told, at Ticketmaster for that event. I don't know how long they'll last. You know, these events have been selling out very quickly. Uh, a lot bigger venue, but I sure as heck wouldn't sleep on the ticket if you got a chance. Uh, remember, folks, uh, if you will subscribe to our show for free at Apple Podcasts, uh, I will certainly appreciate it. If you leave us a five-star rating, I will give you a big hug if I see you, and I appreciate that very much. It helps us a lot. And, again, you get just exactly what you pay for with the show. It's free. <laughs> so, anyway, you got it. Uh, next week, we're going to have a very thorough Saudi update. Uh, we're going to be embedded with the in Saudi Arabia. I'm flying, as I said, from Oklahoma City to Houston, Houston to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Jeddah, and uh, with the King and Booker T. And so the pregame and halftime crew was pretty much on that flight. And we'll have a, I'm sure, have a lot of fun there. Some of you may have already seen our work by the time you hear this. But if not, remember, it's uh, the pregame starts at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time for the pregame show, high noon Eastern time for the live event uh, from Saudi. And so should be a fun week. I'm looking forward to this. It's, uh, the flights are long, but so what? You drink a lot of water and keep your feet up. You'll be all right. I appreciate you guys very much. Uh, next week's going to be a fun show. Remember, I, I, I was remiss in not missing this, and I, I want to I live by this credo. You know, uh, you know mentoring, mentoring a young person is... I believe our responsibility as adults are those of us that are not kids. There's always something we can do to help another person that's younger than us that will be uh, significant in their development. Try it. I do it and I love it. I did it all weekend for IWR Wrestling. I love sharing and helping others. I hope you do too. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I said it before, uh, our tomorrows are not guaranteed. So make the most of it. Join us again here next week. Uh, remember, our shows drop every Wednesday. And so until next week, we'll come back from Saudi Arabia with a hell of a lot of stories, no doubt about that. I'm good OJR Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Westwood One Podcast Network. X-Pac 12360. Excited to be joined by Nick Foley. Hey, Mick, do you remember the first time we met by any chance? SummerSlam 95 in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was wrestling uh, Sabu that night in an independent show, and I'd come back from the Kawasaki Dream Tournament in yeah. pretty rough shape. Download it. X-Pac 12360. Subscribe and download free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. From Westwood One Podcast Network, everyone's listening. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.